From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Hamilton Mill Country Club in Decula, Georgia. We are at Putton on the Pink, a breast cancer awareness event. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For over 25 years, Derek Hayes has represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put the knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Derek Hayes. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Good to be here. In fact, you know this place better than me. Well, I lived in Hamilton Mill for many years. So, yes, uh, this is my old stomping ground. So this is very familiar, very fun. I'm so honored they asked us to come out today and be a part of this event. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by the Shops at Status and Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, www.statushomedesign.com, and by the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. All right, let's dig into the show. Let's do it. All right. So today is our first ever remote broadcast of Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. That does call for a toast. Yes, it yes, does. Yes, we're going to have to do that after the show. We are taping it as morning. Yes, so it is. It could be a mimosa, but besides oh, that. that's right. That's right. Um, all right. So you have been doing the Injury Insider podcast about a year and a half now, correct? Correct. Yeah, we're right at a year and a half. About how many episodes? This will have be you the ever counted? 34th, I think. 34th, 34th episode. 34th episode yeah. today. All right. So in 34 episodes, you currently have over 7 million 500,000 downloads. That's amazing. That's awesome. You have given your legal expertise and insight and law degree to over 7 million people. Which is a surprise. I, I, you know, the law is typically considered to be very boring, but the fact that 7,500,000 folks have downloaded or different individual downloads is amazing to me. So I'm not trying to make this about me, but that's 100% why I didn't go to law school. Because I was pre-law <laughs> and I started taking the classes and they were too boring. It can I, All be. the reading, uh, I mean, I just, it was not for me. I took a completely different career path. But it's, it's exactly what you just said. It can be very boring. But this show is far from boring. Yeah, there's certain areas of the law that there's no matter what, you can't make them sound exciting. Tax law, business law. There's so many things. Wills and estates could be, but personal injury is, is definitely a very, um, I don't want to say exciting, but a, a, the kind of area of the law that's very challenging. Every day is a different day. Every case is different. Uh, it's very rewarding, too, to be able to help folks on a, um, an individual basis. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for all those that have listened and all those that have downloaded. We appreciate it very much. Yes, all of 7,500,000. We'll do another check-in and maybe another 10 shows and, and see where the numbers are at. But we absolutely appreciate everyone supporting and listening. Uh, stay tuned because at the end of the show, I will have Derek tell each of you how you can submit questions. If you have something you'd like us to cover on the podcast, even a question for the podcast, or if you have a question for Derek and you need legal assistance, 
uh, if you've been injured and you need representation. Do you want to unpack that now? We can and do that. Again at the sure, end? sure, we'll do it now. So, correct. Well, the the best way to catch me is to call my office. The number there is four zero four seven 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 hurt or six seven eight two two five zero nine seven zero. You can also go to my website. It's Derek D E R E K the letter M and then Hayes H A Y S dot com. So Derek M Hayes dot com. There you can find. Uh, a drag down menu where you can see the podcast tab. You can also submit a question directly to me regarding the podcast or potentially a topic you'd like for me to cover. There's also a chat feature. You can chat about a potential case. I'll be the one to respond or you can email me directly. So go to my website. You can do everything there. Also, my social media platforms, uh, the law office of Derek M. Hayes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yes. But I just tagged you on Instagram, and I think it's a little bit different. I think it's Derek starts first. Is that correct? You know what? I think Instagram did kind of throw I'm us a I'm looking it up ball. now. Yes. So okay. So I'm going to say it. Derek M. Hayes Law Office. Correct. That is your yeah, Instagram yes. handle. They tweaked it. We had Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. But then they've... They did? Yes. They're not allowed to do that. Well, that's what the uh, the handle is now. Okay. Well, it's a fantastic picture of you, Derek M. Hayes Law Office. Uh, again, find all the social media channels, keep up with the podcast, submit your questions. Uh, basically, any which way that you need to reach Derek, you can. He's very accessible. All right. So we you've done many different shows so far, and I'm very interested to see what you've got planned for us today, being outside and on a golf course. Uh, what are we going to talk about? So the last couple of shows I did initially voir dire, the, the jury selection process, then I did opening statements, and I was going to continue the trial theme. But I had a client that I recently settled his case, and I went back through some questions from the, the podcast tab, and this kind of played right into it. So what I handed you is a, a, really it's an email that the client sent me prior to me taking on his case. And I want to delve deep into that email and kind of break it apart and talk about what I was able to do to help him and the benefit, quite frankly, of having, having an attorney involved uh, and how lost he was without an attorney. Okay. All right. So what you've handed me is the question, and I will read that, but you want to lay the foundation before I read it. Yeah. It, first of all, I, I had to get permission directly from the client to speak about this. I'm not going to use his name for, for uh, you know, it's protection, I guess you could say, or for client privilege, attorney-client privilege, confidentiality. Yep. But ultimately, uh, he did give me permission to discuss this. I had just settled his case about a month ago, but the story that I want to tell is, is kind of an interesting twist on how he came to me and, and what I was able to do to help him out. Um, this question, this email came before the podcast started, uh, but interestingly enough, I've had similar emails and, and questions that have come through the podcast tab, and his kind of answered a lot of those perfectly. Uh, so that's why I wanted to, to really talk about it. It represents some of the same questions I get on a regular basis. Oh, okay. So if this is a common theme in what you do, I'm going to dig right in if, if you're ready for me. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. This is from John. I was hurt in a car wreck almost two years ago that wasn't my fault. I didn't break any bones or have surgery, but I did have some really bad muscle injuries and whiplash. I tried to handle the case on my own, and that seems like my first mistake. The other person's insurance company fixed my car a couple of weeks after the wreck, so I thought they would continue to work with me. I gave them a recorded statement and signed a form that they said they needed in order to get my medical records. When I sent them my medical bills from the hospital and the physical therapist that treated me after the hospital, 
They told me that my treatment wasn't necessary and refused to offer me any money at all. Let's stop Yikes. right there. Okay. So they said, we're going to come back and go through this yeah. even deeper in a minute. Uh, that was a huge red that's flag. That's a key point right there that they initially refused to offer any money at all. And so if you'll read on, you'll see what John decided to do. Okay. They said that their doctor didn't agree with my doctor's diagnosis and that any injuries I claimed were pre-existing. I didn't have any lower back surgery. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I did have a lower back surgery five years ago, but I didn't even hurt my lower back in the wreck. I filed suit in magistrate court and it went to trial. I was completely lost in the courtroom. The judge made it clear that he couldn't help me during the trial. The defense attorney from the insurance company objected to almost everything I said. Uh -huh. And the judge made me stop talking about a lot of things I felt were important. I feel really bad. Well, yeah. I'm ready for you to unpack this. And, and that's, we're, again, we're, we're kind of taking this point by point, but uh, he went into a courtroom by himself without an attorney going up against an attorney from an insurance company on the other side. And so, uh, again, it's, it's just not something I would ever recommend somebody to do, but you can see as you read on what happened with John. Okay. I had to take the witness stand, and the defense attorney wouldn't let me talk. I had to answer his questions, but I never felt like the judge got to hear my story. I just had the medical bills with me, but the judge explained that I couldn't talk about my treatment. After it was over, the judge didn't even award me money for all of my medical bills. My total bills were approximately $9,000, and my verdict was only $6,500. That was just enough to cover the hospital bill, but nothing more. He said that I could appeal the verdict, but I don't know what to do now. Can you help me? Aww. Can you imagine that? So... I just have a quick question. I'm jumping all the way to the end. Can you help me? And I know you're going to unpack this, but it had already gone to court. Yes. Yes. John had tried to do this on his own, which, you know, I've said before in many other podcasts, it's an extremely difficult task to try and take a, a personal injury claim on your own and expect and anticipate an insurance company to do what they should do. And that is compensate you fairly. There's nothing that requires an insurance company to take you by the hand and walk you through the process. So quite frankly, the less you know, the less they pay. And that's what they're preying upon and hoping for. So in John's situation, he went all the way to a magistrate court trial. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But he got a verdict of 6500 but his medical bills were over 9000 9000 But that it doesn't even seem fair. That's what most people say. But the problem was, from an evidentiary standpoint, John was not able to produce the evidence properly so the judge could even consider the additional medical expense from the physical therapist. Well, he said the judge wouldn't even let him talk. That's part of it. He did not know how to put things into evidence. So if it did not come into evidence properly, the judge could not consider it. So unfortunately, John, on his own, without the knowledge of direct examination, cross-examination, how to present evidence and into uh, into the, the record, he was not able to produce that properly, so therefore the judge could not consider it. So in my novice education on this, even though I do the Injury Insider with you, I would maybe guess, and maybe you know a little bit more about it, could the defense block everything he was doing at every turn? That's why they objected nonstop. He even said in the, the email that every time I tried to say something, the defense attorney was objecting. Oh. Well, of course they were. There are rules of evidence they're a lot more lax in magistrate court, which is considered to also be people's court. It's a lot more lax there, but even still, there are basic records and foundational things you have to do to present into evidence documents or medical expenses to be considered by the judge. 
Uh, so to kind of start from the beginning and kind of parse this out a lot, the car wreck occurred, and John said that he did not have significant injuries, but you know, anytime you're injured, pain is relative to the person. So I've had many clients through the years that, that uh, have had severe muscle injuries, tissue injuries, whiplash, that suffered severely from those problems and even led to surgery, although they weren't broken bones. So the perception John had was, well, my injuries aren't that bad. I didn't break any bones. I didn't have surgery. Well, that, that's, again, kind of a first mistake because your injuries, are, you're entitled to have those treated and addressed and resolved. But John thought, well, since they weren't that bad, I don't really want to bother with this. He also relied on the fact that from the very beginning, the insurance company, as he said, within a couple of weeks, they fixed his car. So he thought, well, since they're working with me, they took care of my property damage. This isn't going to be a problem. I don't need to spend the time or the money going with an attorney to try and pursue something when the insurance company is doing what they should. Those are completely separate. Correct. Property and he damage. didn't realize that. Correct. Property damage and personal injury settlements are two separate things. Are they different departments? Do you work with Many the times, same adjuster? or? It depends. Many times it depends on the insurance company as to whether or not it's the same adjuster for property damage and the bodily injury claim. Sometimes there is truly a property damage department and that's all you'll deal with with those adjusters. Other times they're injury adjusters that are trained to work with people who are not represented and, it, and personal injury adjusters who deal only with attorneys. So again, depends on the insurance company. He likely presented his property damage claim. They immediately went ahead and paid for it within a couple of weeks. He thought, okay, they're working with me. They'll be good. I don't need to have an attorney because they've accepted responsibility. And that was the first trap that John fell into. So the next part of that was giving the recorded statement and also, too, signing. Uh, he said he signed a form. What he signed was a HIPAA form, mm -mm. even though John didn't know what that meant at the time. A HIPAA form allows the person who has that to get all of your medical records and your medical bills, not only related to this specific uh, incident, but any prior medical records and prior medical bills. So by the time John presented his claim to the adjuster, they'd already gone back and gotten the records and bills from that prior surgery that occurred five years ago. So they already knew about John's pre-existing condition. Even though he didn't injure his lower back in this wreck, it's a way for them to muddy the water and say, no, 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 you're damaged goods. Right. You were already hurt. We simply aggravated a pre-existing problem. That's a great problem. argument on their side, and I still feel really bad for John. Yep. So when he sent those medical records and he sent those physical therapy records and those bills, again, they refused to pay any money at all. That was their response. Another little key element to this that John didn't put in his email to me, it was a two-day delay, if you want to call it that. This was all pre-COVID, so none of this occurred during the time where COVID was a thing. But John didn't go right away to the hospital. Well, the reason why he didn't go, this happened on a Friday. And he got through the weekend because he did not have to go to work. He was at home. He rested. And by Monday afternoon, he was in severe pain. So he left work early specifically to go to the hospital for the first time to address the problems just because he thought taking some Advil, some ibuprofen, those kind of things, it'll it'll subside. I'll be OK. Well, unfortunately, it didn't. Well, yeah, but that is with most soft tissue injuries. Correct. They're usually worse the day and then the following day after that. That's when they flare up. So the insurance company's argument was, well, since you didn't go right away, you, right. you weren't that injured. You weren't hurt. It's something you did over that weekend that caused the back pain that led to you having to go to the hospital on Monday. And now you're trying to point fingers at us and blame us in a car wreck. I really want to know what happened. 
So, well, let's kind of, again, continue forward through this. I just want to know. So when, when they denied his claim, and that's what they did, they flat out said, we're not going to pay a dime. We don't feel as though any of these bills are related to your car wreck. John's only choice, since he was trying to do this on his own, was to file suit. And we've talked about courts in the past on other podcasts. Magistrate court was his only option. And magistrate court, the damages capped at 15000 So one of the next problems John had was when he filed suit there, no matter what, the most he could ever get was $15,000. Did he know that? No, he didn't. He never knew that that was going to cap his damages. But when he came to me, that also meant, even though I became involved in the claim, I was still capped at $15,000. I could never go over that because John had filed suit in magistrate court and actually gone through the trial there. So in the courtroom at trial, he did not know how to properly submit into evidence his medical bills. So therefore, the judge was only able to consider the hospital bill, which John did do properly, but he did not lay the proper foundation for the physical therapy bills. And more importantly, he didn't bring that witness in. He could have brought the doctor in or the physical therapist in to come in and testify about what treatments they did, why they did it, and what the costs associated with it were. As a layperson, that would include me. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not licensed to practice medicine. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a chiropractor. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I can't testify about what they did and why they did it. I can only testify about how I hurt and where I hurt, and that's it. Do you know or remember if he had any affidavits? No, he did didn't. Did he know how he to did do not. those? No. So, again, Magistrate Coordinate, you may have remembered that from the prior podcast. You can submit into evidence affidavits from the treating physician, but John didn't know that. He's a layperson. Yeah. He did not have the uh, experience or, or the knowledge to, to realize that having that physical therapist there is the only way to authenticate that bill and those records to have that treatment considered and present those documents into evidence. So therefore, even though he tried repeatedly, the defense attorney did what they should do. They objected, and obviously the objections were appropriate and and were uh, uh, obviously upheld by the judge, but John did not know how to step around that, nor did he come prepared to the magistrate court trial. So the judge's hands were kind of tied to some extent as well. The judge can only do what the law allows him or her to do. And in this case, the judge only considered the hospital bill, and that was it. That's all they could look at. Are you ready to tell us? So you get involved. He sends this to you. Correct. Then take us from that point. What are you able to, Where where's your starting point since this had already gone to trial? So the starting point was to first tell John, unfortunately, because of the fact you filed suit in magistrate, the most I can ever get you is 15000 no matter what. That's it, period. He had received a $6,500 verdict. So since the verdict was already on the record, I initially had to file the appeal, the official appeal okay. on the verdict. The appeal goes to state court. State court involves depositions, it involves a jury, it involves a full-blown trial, but because he had started in magistrate court, he was capped at 15000 So the first thing I had to do was file the appeal, and I did. I went ahead and did that officially for him. In doing that, it, it made the defense attorney then reach out to me. The defense attorney, the first thing they did, and I'm not going to mention the insurance company or, of course, the defense attorney, but the first thing they did, realizing that John had 9,000 medical bills and a 6,500 verdict, they said, look, we're not going to pay the 15,000, which is now the cap on the claim, but we will go ahead and bump up an offer to 9,000. So almost immediately, by me simply filing the appeal, they bumped up their offer to 9,000 to account for the total of his medical expense. Um, we didn't accept that. We took a deposition. We also, too, uh, sent uh, several certified letters to, to kind of address some of the evidentiary rules. 
and eventually we negotiated this to the full 15,000 wow. which is obviously again the cap that John put on there if John had not filed suit in magistrate court I very easily could have gotten him substantially more than that you know there's no way to know for sure what that outcome would have been but it would never have been capped at 15,000 right. so John by filing suit on his own in magistrate court by delaying this taking it on his own it cost him probably two or three more years than it would have been in settling it, and also too capped his damages at fifteen thousand. He should have used you. Yeah, and and I do want to. I bet he was kicking himself. I'm I'm glad you were able to help him, but oh, it's just such a kind of a heartbreaking story with a happy ending, right? Yeah. All right. It, the the reality is that that you know this is a a perfect example. This is why I did this. People will ask me, well, do I really need an attorney? Or people will call after they've tried to handle it on their own and say, I thought I did not need an attorney. I thought that I could do this on my own. I thought the insurance company would treat me fairly. So you had a, I'm not going to say any names, but a friend, family member this week had a car accident, called just to ask questions. Yes. Like they wanted just, let me talk to the injury insider, but we're going to handle it on their own. And we were kind of cringing that night going, oh, no, this is what's going to happen. They're going to end up just like John. Correct. And, well, there's several reasons aside from just those that John talked about in his email. Uh, statistically, and these are stats that are very readily available, people who have attorneys in personal injury claims wind up with as little as 30 percent more, but as much as 50 something, I think it's 57 percent more money. So you can get up to 57% more, but at least 30% more money in pocket, in pocket with an attorney involved. We know what needs to be done to obviously maximize the value of the claim, uh, negotiate medical expenses, deal with what are known as subrogation claims, liens, all those collateral issues that come up in a personal injury case where someone who's not um, aware of those things or doesn't know how to deal with those can very easily cost themselves uh, a substantial amount of money. What's the number one reason people don't use an attorney? What what's the the uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The generally mis misconception. Misconception. Yes. Generally it costs too much. It okay. costs too much to hire an attorney. The reality is all I do is contingency fee work, meaning that I don't get paid a penny unless and until I get money from my clients. So with that being said, it's kind of a win-win proposition. If there is no money and there's no recovery for whatever reason, you don't owe me a penny. So that would be the misconception. So let's say you've gone through a divorce and that can be extremely costly, especially if it's, you know, it's a contentious divorce and you're paying on a retainer and, but all attorneys do not get paid the same. Correct. 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 Your contingency, that's a lot different. That's hourly. There's right. billables. There's lots of different ways. So yes, a retainer is, and, and divorce cases are different. Criminal cases are different. Right. Uh, business cases are different. But a retainer is where an attorney says, I'll work for you, but I need you to write me a check for, say, $5,000. And I'm going to work at a rate of $350 or $500 an hour, whatever it may be, until that retainer is down to $500. Then you're going to have to write me another check to replenish your retainer. And every time that gets down to $500, you're going to have to write me another check. So people think, uh, the misconception is, that, okay, if I hire an attorney for my personal injury case, I'm out of work, I'm losing money, I've got medical bills, I don't have a car right now, my car's been destroyed, I've got to write a check to someone to represent me in something that I can probably do on my own, not realizing that, no, you don't. 
No, you don't. We you don't write me a check point. for you anything simply to take over your claim. Unless there's recovery. Unless there's recovery. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And with that recovery, I'll go back to the stats. You can expect to see at least 30% more money in pocket, in pocket with an attorney, up to about 57% more money in pocket with an attorney than handling it on your own. You know, I, I've used this analogy many times, and that is if I'm a doctor and I'm trained in brain surgery and I need brain surgery, I'm not going to operate on myself. I can't, even though I have that knowledge. As an attorney, if I'm involved in a car wreck, I'm not going to handle my own claim, period. I'm going to go to a friend of mine to handle it. And with that being said, interestingly enough, I currently do represent, and that's kind of why I was thinking about this, a very good friend of mine who is an attorney, who is a personal injury attorney. I represent him and his wife in a car wreck claim simply because it's far easier for me to take that claim on because I can file suit on it for him. He would never want to file suit if it goes that route on his own case. I like the analogy. You may have the legal education. I've got the novice education. Just because I watched Grey's Anatomy <laughs> at yes. night doesn't mean that I want to try to give somebody an IV on the side of the road if they've been in a car wreck. Right? Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I hear, well, I've watched TV. I've watched Judge Judy. I've watched. Oh, uh, right. The court yeah, shows. All yeah. the court shows. L.A. Law was yeah, one of big for a while. And yeah, I, I know how it works. Well, the problem is, no, that's not the real world. In fact, I just not too long ago had a, a conversation with a client. We had his deposition, and right after the deposition, he said, so is the trial with him, uh, next week or the week after? Even though I'd already told him many times, no, it's, it's years down the road, especially with COVID, the delays. But his understanding from watching TV shows was, okay, you take the depo, and a week later, you're at trial. No, no, it doesn't work that way. There are rules of evidence, and again, I, I kind of reference this in John's case, where if you don't lay the proper foundation, it's never going to get into evidence. It's going to be excluded. It's important to know that a back surgery several years ago is irrelevant when it comes to an upper back or neck injury when it's a lower back surgery. It's not anything that's, that's related at all. All right, I don't want to put you on the spot. We have just a couple minutes. Do you have any more stories like John? Any more cases where they should have used an attorney, didn't? and came to you and you sort of had to clean it all up? Yes. In fact, one of those led to a, I can't say the specific amount because it's confidential, but a seven-figure outcome on a case. And the reason why the client had a, what would be considered to be a severe injury, uh, a surgical injury, um, there was no paralysis, but it was an extreme injury. Uh, and the recovery is going to be a lifelong thing for him. The problem was the person that caused the actual car wreck only had $50,000 per person in individual coverage. So this client came to me and thought that all he would ever be able to get was $50,000 because that was the policy limit for the at-fault driver. What he did not realize was the, the tire that was on his car at the time was a tire that was the subject of uh, litigation, class action status for tire tread separation. And so that, what we call a collateral or derivative claim, that claim, uh, instead of a $50,000 liability policy for a car insurance company, led to a multi-million dollar policy for a car manufacturing or a tire manufacturing company. So it opened the door to uh, a product liability case that if he had settled the underlying car wreck claim, if he had signed off on a release document that's known as a general release, mm -hmm. which not only closed that, that car wreck claim, but also closed any of those collateral or derivative claims, we never would have been able to pursue that tire separation case on his behalf 
because the tire tread separated, which led to his car flipping, which led to the more severe injuries. And we were able to prove that because that was happening on a regular basis with this particular tire. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it it made the the news. It's one of those that's been out there for a while. Uh, So I'm sure people are kind of aware of those cases. But the 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 problem with someone handling a case on their own and not having a vehicle inspected necessarily when when it you know comes to a crashworthiness case or a product liability case they're potentially throwing out the window the chance to be fully compensated as opposed to in his case the only money that he thought was out there was fifty thousand dollars well so yes that's yet again another reason to for that one another reason to consult with with an attorney and, and specifically me that's you know, those are the Absolutely. kind of things I'm going to look into because you may be walking away from an, an opportunity to be uh, compensated appropriately as opposed to thinking, well, this is all I can get. Right. And don't sign anything. Do not. Don't take your statements. Don't do any of that. Contact Eric. Correct. Correct. I'll be That's happy. That's my to, last punch at the end <laughs> yeah, of the show. <laughs> I'll be happy to discuss your claim with you. There's no obligation. I'll say that. Uh, just simply calling for a free consultation. It's completely free. It'll give me a chance to dive deeper into your facts and find out if there are things there that we can investigate to potentially, again, tap into to provide uh, more of a recovery or, quite frankly, more of an appropriate recovery. John, uh, again, is, is as good as the outcome could get was 15000 but that never really compensated him fully because of the mistake he had made trying to handle it on his own. Right. Well, he called you at the end. and. Yes. We, I'm sure he appreciates, we appreciate all your hard work with him. Now, in the m- top of the show, we unpacked all your social media. I'm going to let you say it one more time in case anyone listening, you know, it sort of triggers, oh, I want to tell so-and-so to call, or I have a question for the podcast. Tell everybody listening one more time how they can reach you. Yes, please do. Reach me through my website first. It's Derek M. Hayes, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M. Hayes is H-A-Y-S. So DerekMHayes.com, you'll see a chat feature. Anything you say there will, will come directly to me. There's also a way to email me directly with a, the uh, facts of a potential claim, or you can go to the podcast tab, suggest a topic, or ask a question I'll be happy to address in a future podcast. Uh, you can also, too, call my office. My numbers are 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. Also go to my social media, the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. That's Twitter, Instagram, and and you said, uh, or Facebook, rather, and you said the Instagram's changed a little bit. It's Derek M. Hayes Law Office, I think is the way it's there. Derek M. Hayes Law Office. Uh, But there's no harm in calling. As I said, the the consultation, initial consultation is always free. I'll be happy to discuss your potential claim, and hopefully if there is something there, I can help you out. You know what we haven't mentioned in the show? What's that? The new office. Yes. Yes, we are opening a new office in Watkinsville, Georgia, which is uh, just outside of Athens. It's in Oconee County. It's literally a block away from the courthouse. It's a beautiful old home where I'm going to open my second location of the firm there. You're going to have a store there. I'm so excited. Uh, so I, I would also, too, recommend if you have not listened to Status Life with Lita, oh, my the show. podcast, you need to listen to Thank it. Thank you. We talked about my downloads at the top of the, the podcast. She's beating me. I better. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I host her show. She hosts my show. But her numbers are, are actually far better than mine. So no. it's a terrific podcast. No. You'll learn all kinds of things about life and health and travel and interior design. Those those topics. But they're where both such. She fun is shows. the expert. Yeah. Yeah. But we're really dynamic. 
Yes, we, well, we're getting engaged. We've been told that, right. So we're leaving here and going to look at a wedding venue. Yay! Yes, we are. Yes, we are. One last thing I want to say about the Watkinsville office. What? My main office is in Lawrenceville, Georgia, but I, I want to stress this. I can handle cases throughout the entire state of Georgia. It doesn't matter what county you're in. I can litigate in any county in Georgia, state court, superior court, even in the federal courts here in Georgia. If it's outside the state of Georgia, I can still handle your case. Uh, if it does have to go to litigation, I will associate counsel with someone in your state uh, to pursue the case in court. So don't limit it to the geographical barriers of the county where I am located or the state where I'm located. Uh, if there is a question, call me. I'll be happy to discuss it with you and help you out. You just litig litigated a case in federal court. In federal court via in Pennsylvania. Zoom from, yeah, from Pennsylvania. And also in Tennessee. Yeah. In federal court. Everything so, is done digitally now. Correct. So it's it's something that digital is, is quite frankly taken over the way we're handling a lot of these cases and the geographical barriers that were there, it's it's a lot easier. Uh, but you were about to say, and, and we are, we're about to go to look at wedding ven venues. Oh, did you now. cut that part off? No, no. <laughs> I'll throw it back out there. I'm proud <laughs> Just of it. Just kidding. We're going to go look at wedding venues now. Well, thank you, Injury Insider, Mr. Derek Hayes. All right, I'm going to close the show. Please do. Let's go check out where we're going to get married. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design. The Shops at Status, and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Leecha Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X. Music.